On today's episode, I am talking with someone that you might recognize from my past podcast, The Milk and Honey Podcast, Amaris Beecher. On this episode, we are discussing God's beautiful design and intentions for your sexuality and how to navigate that as a single person. Amaris shares her story of growing up in purity culture and discusses the commitments that she made as a single woman. We talk about the single person's good desire for sex, preparing for intimacy in marriage while remaining pure in singleness, how to talk with your children as a parent, and our thoughts, and of course God's thoughts, on having sex with a boyfriend or fiance. We touch on arousal, orgasm, fleeing from sin and temptation, maintaining sexual integrity as a single man or woman, and the ultimate purpose and design of the sexual desire that you have. If you've not already had a chance to listen to my past episodes in this sex series with Dr. Julie Slattery and Felicia Masonheimer, you do not want to miss those. I also discuss singleness and dating on episode 42 with my friend Kate Warman, and that conversation is titled, Singleness is Not a Disease, How God is Working in Your Waiting. Lastly, my personal testimony about dating around, sleeping around, promiscuity, and healing is on episode 30. So do take a second to check those out after you tune in to this conversation. So I'm very, very excited. This is the first time that Amaris has been on Living Easy, and it has been a long time coming, and it was just so comfortable and good. So let's jump into today's conversation. We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Amaris Beecher is on with us today. So if you have listened to the Milk and Honey podcast, which was how podcasting just started for both of us, that was our podcast together. And the Lord laid it on my heart to have her on for this topic because I know it's something that she has wisdom in and can provide wisdom for all of the singles that follow along. So, hey. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming on. Okay, guys. So Amaris pregnant. So how far along are you and how are you feeling? I am 28 and a half weeks and very big. Oh, yes. (laughs) Very pregnant. And this is my fourth pregnancy. So I really wanted the baby, but didn't want to be pregnant. (laughs) 
So I'm really excited to be done. <laughs> so yes. that's how I'm feeling right now. I fully yeah, understand so. that. My sister's pregnant right now and she's due February 1st with her second. And she's oh, so cool. done. Yes. I hope that it goes quickly for you the remaining 12 weeks. Cause I know that the end can be so hard. <laughs> exhausting. I feel like this is a good time to say it. Amaris and I have kept the Milk and Honey podcast live and available for everyone, but we now have decided that we've given it a good chunk of time. It is like a monthly cost and all of that. And we both have our own things that we're doing now. And so we are going to, I guess, how would you say, cut it off in April. So if you haven't had a chance to listen, we really encourage you to listen. It is kind of wild looking back and seeing the downloads still that are still happening and going. And it's really an encouragement to our hearts that that ministry was what it was. And we're so thankful for it, but Mm -hmm. there's gotta be a goodbye, I guess, at some point. And so go and check it out and listen to some episodes if you haven't yet, because we still have a few months. I want to jump in. So today I just feel very heavily on my heart to reach out to singles. I do a lot of content for married couples and But I know that those married couples have children. And I also know that I have a lot of singles who listen. And I want to touch on the fact that sexuality is a good desire for singles. It Mm -hmm. is not a bad, shameful, harmful thing because Mm -hmm. this is where the lies all begin, I think. Then it flows into your marriage and feeling like it's a shameful thing. So Mm -hmm. Amaris, can you share a little bit about your background, the purity culture that you were taught about, I guess, and what that looked like, and then how it impacted your singleness and your perspective of marriage. Yeah. So I have basically grown up in the church. My dad went to seminary, so I was homeschooled as a young girl. So I have a churchy background. Mm -hmm. And then there was a period of time where I did like walk away from the church for a season. It was through middle school. So got involved with my ideas of what a boyfriend would be like, what a middle school sexuality would be like, which is baffling hindsight thinking back. I'm like, I can't believe, you know, I was doing what I was doing in middle school, getting drunk, you know, like hooking up with guys. And then when I became a Christian again, I don't know if I ever was not a Christian or if I just like came back to the Lord. But when I came back to God and like got back involved in church, I had absolutely no interest in men. Like from that point forward, I had made a a commitment to not date, which is, was a big trend at that time period. You signed a contract, right? I did. Yeah. yeah. I I signed a contract. Yeah. (laughs) I signed a contract that Amorous, my maiden name is Brandon. Amorous Brandon will not date until she is 18. And then I signed it at the bottom. <laughs> so ridiculous, like looking back now. But yep, that is what I did. And I fulfilled that legalistically, mm-hmm. meaning I didn't date, but I did. You know, like there's this thing where you like give away your heart. You know, you, you talk to the boys. They know you like them. You know, they like you, this whole thing, but you're not not, technically dating. Exactly. But not technically, we're not dating. And so the day I turned 18, I started dating. So it was really just a legalistic thing. Like Mm -hmm. the contract 
I will say that even though it was legalistic and my heart wasn't not necessarily in the right place, I think it did protect me from a lot of things that I mm-hmm. think I could would have ended up getting involved in because like it says in scripture, don't awaken love until it's time. And so I think that that protected me from and helped me and enabled me to guard my heart. And then once I turned 18, then I had to deal with, you know, the reality that I was rushing into dating when I shouldn't Mm -hmm. be. And I was still too young, but my understanding of sexuality was just based upon what the church had taught me. But thankfully my church didn't shame sex. We are very vocal about sexuality. We have done a whole conferences on sex. Yeah. I've seen that in you. Even if you guys listen back to some of the episodes, like I (laughs) struggled, which is funny now to be doing a sex series because I could barely talk about it before, but even within Amorous, within you, I feel like it's always been something that's just a comfort level because you didn't experience the shame, which is my heart, your heart, and talking about it so that we tell people like, this is not God's heart. It is totally the opposite. Yeah. And I think truthfully, my church did a good job of communicating righteously through sex, that it's not a shameful thing. It was designed and created by God. But I also had a very open conversation with my mom. And I think that that's a huge issue within young people, within their understanding of sex often did not come through their home life. It did not come through their parents. It came through, you know, other students. It came through peers. It came through, you know, magazines. And so it distorts what the intent of sex is. And so because my mom was the one who told me all of the things, like every single thing about oral sex, Mm -hmm. all of the things I went straight to my mom. I never went to my peers And so there was never this shame attached to the conversation of sex because she was so honest. She was like, yep, this is what that means. This is how people do it. And she was like, I don't want you to do that. And I was like, okay, but I never had any curiosity to go explore my sexuality or like step outside because my mom was very forthright with what sex was and why it should be within the boundaries of marriage. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it was a blend of both my home life and my church culture that enabled me to walk in freedom with my sexuality, that I didn't see it with shame. I didn't see it, even though I was very modest, there was a period of time where I would wear like a sports bra over my bra, (laughs) just so my boobs never bounced. Oh my gosh. I just had this type of conversation with Tiffany Bloom. We were talking about women who like I never had that issue, but women who felt like they had to tape their boobs down because they were too big. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I did all the things. I never let my midriff show. I wore leotards underneath my clothing. So if my shirt ever rose up, you you never saw my stomach. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't know that one. Yeah, I, I was very, very modest. I never wore a bikini. Very, very modest. But somehow... And I just believe that that is God's grace. Somehow it did not make me ashamed of Mm -hmm. my sexuality. So when Nick and I did get married, we had a wonderful honeymoon, you know, all the orgasms, all the sex, all the things. And it wasn't until we realized in our early years of marriage 
how much Nick's past with pornography, that's where we started to see the issue. So it wasn't so much purity culture that brought in issues within our marriage. It had a lot to do with pornography and how pornography has taught people about sex and pornography has brought a lot of shame and a lot of deception and lies into the bedroom. The episode that launched prior to yours is all about pornography masturbation. So if y'all haven't listened to that one, please do because it's huge. And then Amherst and Nick talk about that as well in forward conversations. So backtracking a little bit, I want to share just some thoughts on what is the purpose of sexuality if I'm single? Why am I single? And honestly, I feel like singles have struggled because the one primary verse that they're given when thinking about their sexuality in the Bible says, it is better to marry than to burn with passion. (laughs) And so all the thought is, okay, I'm going to rush into marriage because I want to have sex. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, that getting married for sex is like buying an airplane for the peanuts. It is just a small portion. But the purpose of the sexuality, I just want to lay it out as what it is, which is a sweet, good thing, because everything that God created on this earth was intentionally designed to express something about himself, about his Mm -hmm. character, about his nature. Everything that God created on earth was intentionally designed to express something about himself, about his character, about his nature. And there are things in the world, physical things in our world, like trees and water and wind that refer back to God, that refer back to spiritual truths. And so in the same way, just as those things were intentional and have spiritual meanings, our experiences of hunger, of thirst, of even illness display our spiritual needs and our condition. And so these are not random coincidences. It is all purposeful Mm -hmm. just as God is deliberate and was deliberate when he crafted our sexuality. But as we go back to the feeling that we must, must, must get married in order to satisfy, which I mean, yes, marriage is also a good and beautiful gift, but you also don't want to settle for a relationship just because you're trying to mm-hmm. fulfill that sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so many questions that I've received amorous from women who have remained pure or who are starting over like I did, they're worried about not being able to turn on their sexuality. They're like, okay, I see this as a gift. I see this as a good, purposeful, intentional thing that is not a bad thing to have sexual desires. It's not bad to be turned on but it it is sinful to do something with that. But they're worried about not being able to turn that sexuality on like a light switch when they get married. So how do they prepare themselves to open up to their sexuality? It wasn't a struggle for you, but if they can't explore it now, what does that look like in the future? Well, to be clear, it was a struggle for me when we first got married to orgasm. That did not come normally for me, but it had more to do with the expectations, these false expectations of what an orgasm is supposed to. So I think there's a lot of misconceptions of what is supposed to happen once you're married. Like, oh, you are supposed to orgasm so easily, like within the movies or within how our culture presents it. But for a woman, orgasming can take anywhere between 30 to 45 minutes to get Mm -hmm. to a climax. So I think 
the best thing that I can tell. So when we do premarital counseling, which you just had a whole sex session this past Sunday with a, a young couple that's getting married this weekend. And so the main thing that we encourage them when they are about to be able to enjoy each other sexually, you know, leading up to this, there's boundaries upon boundaries. So you don't fall into sexual sin. And it's so challenging not to fall into sexual sin before you're married, just because you can kiss and and kissing leads to making out and making out leads to dry humping. Like they all like (laughs) progress. And so it's challenging to guard your purity when you're dating, to guard your purity before you're married. But the main thing that I, if I could encourage you, all your listeners on what is it going to be that's going to help them to transition into their sexuality once they're married is to foster intimacy within their marriage, within that relationship. Because sex is a, I guess, the the cherry on top, the frosting Mm -hmm. and intimacy within your marriage is like the cake. If we're describing like a cupcake, you know, so the, the intimacy is what the foundation and intimacy is what makes sex so good. So if you're not intimate emotionally and vulnerably with your significant other, with your spouse, then it is going to be really hard to turn it on. So like foreplay for a woman is not normally just using your fingers, like foreplay. It's going to be this process of romance. It's going to be a process of intimacy and connecting on a spiritual basis where you're praying together. And it turns out that there are actually statistics that prove that couples that pray together have better sex. And so it's this connection of your heart and your spirits becoming one flesh happens as you are being vulnerable with each other as you are emotionally connected. And so even in Genesis, when it says that Adam and Eve knew each other and they conceived, that same knew, that word, is used in Psalms 139, where it talks about how God knows us. Like it's this knowing, this intimacy, you know, obviously we're not physically like having sex with God, but our souls are naked before the Lord. Like Mm -hmm. he sees every crevice of our minds. He knows our hearts. And that's the parallel that's supposed to happen between a husband and a wife before you have sex. And that's what makes sex so orgasmic. That's what Mm -hmm. makes sex so explosive and grand. And that's how come even as you're getting older, even as you have children, your boobs sag and like things get gray and wobbly (laughs) and groupy. It's still good. Like people, I, I mean, like, you know, like people fantasize about these one night stands and how that, oh, that's like so erotic and like so amazing, but there is no comparison that sex to a marriage where there have been exploring each other's bodies and figuring out how to do things for years on end. Like it's just, you can't compare like my sex with Nick is going to be so much better than someone who is just sleeping together for a hookup. Like there's just no comparison because of the intimacy that's been established. And so if you are listening and you are like, I'm going to get married, but I've been telling myself, no, no, no. Okay. Orgasms are going to come. It's going to require work for you and your husband, but 
foster the intimacy within your marriage, foster the intimacy within that relationship, because that's going to be what makes you emotionally safe enough to orgasm. What's going to make you relax because that's, what's hard. I think that's, it's so much in our minds, you know, like we get married and we're like, why isn't this happening? It's taking too long. Or, you know, you know, all these comparison things, or I feel dirty or I feel weird. And it's this process of, you have to work through that with your mind, work through that with your significant other. And as you guys are working through those thoughts and being vulnerable, the natural progression is going to be awesome sex, awesome orgasms. Do you desire to be the wife that God created you to be? On Living Easy, you guys know how important it is for me to call you up toward the kingdom and toward a biblical perspective. It's also so important to me that you live your life the way that Jesus intended. And a huge part of that is a healthy, God-honoring marriage. Jesus doesn't want you to just be roommates, living this life side by side without intention. He desires for you to do all things with excellence. And that means being best friends and lovers with your husband. Listen, friends, I've been married for nine years. I totally understand that marriage can be challenging. You're two sinners coming together with different upbringings, different desires, and different personalities. And this can cause conflict, confusion, and loneliness when it isn't worked on by either person. But here's the thing. We as wives are sinners too. We can be frustrating too. We fall short, we fail, and we have room for growth as well. When we sit down and allow ourselves to examine our hearts, we then know the areas in which we can pray and grow deeper in our relationship with Christ. A happy marriage can and should begin with us. Why? For one reason and one reason alone, because we love and follow Jesus. Ladies, the purpose of the Wife Project is not to make you an easier or happier wife for your husband. It is to guide you to be more like Jesus in every area of your life, which then flows into your marriage. The Wife Project will be launching this February. It will be packed full of scripture, research, and practical wisdom that will lead you toward a stronger relationship with Jesus, which in turn will pour into a joyful marriage. You'll receive journaling pages and PDFs, which will help you to apply everything that you've learned. And the beauty of the course is that you can do it all in your own time. I will be teaching on topics like having an unbelieving spouse, how to thrive in your marriage even when your husband doesn't lead you spiritually, sex and intimacy, strengthening your communication, fighting fair, forgiveness, and so much more. So if you want to have a thriving marriage and a strong faith life in 2021, the Wife Project course is the perfect start for you. So if you want to get on the wait list, just scroll down from this episode and click the link in my show notes or go to sparrowsandlily.com backslash community. Or you can go to my Instagram at living easy with Lindsay and just click the link in my bio and it will subscribe you to emails about the wife project. Remember you guys, nothing changes if nothing changes. So let's change together. Love you guys. As you mentioned, 
fully agree with everything that you're saying because it is that safe place. And I think that the enemy, and we've talked about this actually before, but the enemy works so hard outside of our marriages to tempt us toward sexuality, toward Mm -hmm. the one night stand, to make us think that that is what will satisfy the longing in our hearts. Mm -hmm. But then he works just as hard within marriage to keep us from intimacy with our spouse. And Mm -hmm. the shame and the regret that comes from making poor decisions prior to marriage can also be a part of that. And I've had so many people tell me, Lindsay, I wish I could just shut this off. I wish I could just shut off as a single. I wish I could just shut off the desire and the temptation of sexuality because it causes me to sin. First off, I would like to say the Bible says flee from temptation. So what Mm -hmm. are those things? Not fight them, not battle them, flee from them. What are those things that are causing you to stumble? Is it emotional pornography? Like we talked about in the last episode, visual pornography, masturbation. Is it being alone with someone or going to a bar? Because you don't want to shut off the desire for good sexuality, but you want to flee from the temptation that causes you to sin because you don't want to enter into marriage without that desire. And so there's something that Dr. Julie Slattery said. She said, sex is not just about personal fulfillment and the satisfaction of your sexual desire. It's a call to something infinitely greater. It's a physical reminder that we were never meant to live in isolation and selfish pleasure. We were created for promise, for vulnerability, and for the pursuit and exchange of love that compels us to give ourselves away. Ladies, men, whoever's listening, you're not dirty because of sexual and sinful desires. As Amaris is saying, and as I believe as well, sex within marriage is like the best thing. Not that it's easy for everyone. And I know everyone has a different story, but for me coming from so many relationships that felt unsafe and I, where I felt dirty being intimate with them because it was outside of God's plan, I now come to a place within my marriage where I feel that safety, where we explore one another, where we communicate what we like and dislike, and therefore have the ability to get to know one another in a way that nothing else can. But God fights for us. He fights for us in his image with these sexual desires, while Satan fights against us as creatures in God's image with sexual Mm -hmm. desires. And so Mm -hmm. how can women or men pursue this sexual integrity while single in a way that allows them to, I guess, not focus so much on what they don't have. I think allowing themselves to be emotionally intimate with the Lord mm-hmm. and, and emotionally vulnerable, even with peers, because the hard part is If you never opened that door for sexuality, that's one conversation. So you don't really know what you're missing out on until it's been opened. So for a long time of my youth, I never knew anything. I was like, I didn't know what an orgasm felt like. I didn't know anything of the sort. And so I fantasized more about wanting to feel loved versus wanting to explore my sexuality. And I think that that's a huge thing. It's this desire and I, to feel loved. And I think that that's why so many women can feel tempted to look at pornography or feel tempted to emotional pornography, like romantic movies and novels and all that stuff, because we want to feel what we perceive that woman to be feeling. We want to feel 
wanted. We want to feel sexually pursued. We want to feel that emotional experience that we perceive that woman in the movie or in our minds that she is experiencing. And so one, I think when we understand that we are wanted by God, we are seen by God and to allow our heart to become open in that context or allowing our thought life to wander in the sense of we are seen, we are emotionally connected. We, we are known within that confines of who God is. And then even within the, the safety of healthy relationships within a healthy community. But I think that that's a lot of where that struggle is, is where they're specifically with women. Men are a totally different conversation. Men are yeah. visual <laughs> beings. And so that's a whole exploring or how to gratify your, or not even gratify, but how to not kill your sexual desires is a whole nother conversation. And I'm not even going to try to open that can of worms <laughs> because I agree. I think that if your temptation is to lust, because, you know, I think a lot of men are, it's a physical lust and women, it's an emotional lust. But if lust is the issue, then I agree with Lindsay that you have to flee and allow the Lord to meet your needs in your sexuality because he can. And I think that that's what people are so confused on. It feels weird. Like it just feels weird to say, God is meeting my sexual needs. Okay. But he created you to be a sexual being. Like he created us to have the clit. He created us to be a sexual being, not as a shameful thing, but to exactly what Lindsay is saying, to point us to a greater glory, to point Mm -hmm. us to Christ, to point us to our creator. And so, yes, we have to take our sexuality and say, here, Lord, and lay it down at the altar and say, Lord, I need you to fulfill this longing within me that wants to be wanted, that wants to be, you know, pursued, that wants me to be, you know, all of the different things that we desire within the sexual context of what we've experienced in the past. And I think that that's what has to happen. That next step is going to be, Lord, fulfill this within me because he Mm -hmm. is capable. If he has created us to be sexual beings, then he then has a plan on how to satisfy that need within us until we're married or for the rest of our lives. If you choose to be single for the rest of your life, that is a good thing if God is calling you to that. And he will satisfy your needs of sexuality, your needs, even in feeling lonely, like God has a good plan. So I think that that process of allowing yourself to not to kill, I agree. I don't want to kill. You don't want to kill your sexuality because then it's going to be so much harder in order to enjoy it within marriage, Mm -hmm. but you have to take it and say, Lord, this is yours. This has always been yours. Now satisfy this within me. So that way I can live fully unto you. Amen. And going right off of that, I think of 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Because I can imagine some people listening, especially if they don't know Jesus or don't have a relationship with Jesus and thinking, yeah, right. Like that's impossible. And when I first told my non-Christian boyfriend I was completely unevenly yoked with him because I had just become saved. When I told him, this is something God calls me to, and I want to do it. He basically told me, 
that's not realistic, Lindsay. Like nobody can do that. It's not realistic, but it was realistic for me. And it was something that I was able to live out by the strength of and grace of God. And also the strength of my husband when I was Mm -hmm. struggling and falling, but to say, even if you're not a Christian, you are still created by God. And if you are a Christian, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so that's kind of an offensive thought maybe to some because we're rebellious and we're in our flesh and thinking, who are you to tell me, which turns into a whole other conversation, but what to do with my body, Uh the body which you dwell is not yours to do as you please. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard. But at the same time, can I just say from a girl who did what she pleased with her body as much and as often as I wanted, how much that stole from me, how much joy it stole from me, how much value, how much dignity it stole from me. I lived in the freedoms of the world and I was miserable because you only get through so many people. You only watch so many videos. You only read so many books until you realize like either one, there's an addiction there or two, you're trying to satisfy this longing in a way that was not intended to be satisfied by God. And so I think that God reveals to us through that temptation and through our willingness to give into that temptation, that we believe the lie that the journey to sexual happiness, the sexual satisfaction is achieved through self-gratification. And we view sex, we view relationships, we even view marriage as a way to complete us. And the church even, I mean, sometimes can create that type of conversation where they're saying, Mm -hmm. get married and you'll be happy. And it's like, oh, wait, what happened? (laughs) I love my husband, but now there's a whole new set of issues that I'm working (laughs) through because I'm married to a sinner. Mm -hmm. And when we see those things as a way to satisfy us, to make us happy, whether it's sex or a relationship and to make us whole, we lose sight of the ultimate purpose of our lives. And so I just want to challenge our listeners today. Sex just isn't everything. It feels like it is sometimes when it's beforehand. And you see even on TV, Netflix shows, which I didn't even realize when I was watching a Netflix show the other day. And I was like, dang, this is like rated R and it's so available on Netflix And it's just become normal for our world to show teenagers having sex and sexy women on the store windows, which are not bad things. It's not a bad thing to be sexy and to be intimate, but outside of God's design, it can be so empty. And so sex isn't everything. God is everything. And while they're good gifts in the rightful context, they fail truly. Like I believe this with all of my heart. They fail in comparison to the glory and wonder of our God and what he has in store for you in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why he, when he made that comparison in like Psalms 139, even in marriage, your sex life is not going to fulfill you. You know, even if you have a wonderful marriage, you have wonderful sex there will still be a longing within your heart to be fully known and fully seen because you can still like control how much your spouse knows you and how known you are by him. But with God, you are fully known, you are fully seen, you are fully loved. So it is still going to always point us back to the creator. Like every good thing will point us back to the creator when we see it for what it truly is, which is 
a manifestation of his glory, not necessarily, you know, how good we've got it. Amen. I think there's so much conversation about it. There's so much put out into the world that it does create confusion. And so even just to give freedom to girls who don't have a mom who had that conversation with them or who didn't grow up with a mom, you know, or that the school system failed you in the way that they communicated about it. There's no shame in not understanding. There's no shame in not knowing, you know, what is happening to you when you watch a show. I mean, I don't know how young the girls are that listen sometimes, but I remember being in my room and I don't know why I remember this, but something came on MTV and I was young. I was probably, oh my gosh, nine maybe. And I remember like feeling tingly, you know, and I was like, what the heck is happening to my body? And I hadn't really, I was young. And so I think a lot of people think when you're young, you're not going to experience it. And they wait until it's far too late. The youngest or the average age now that a child, usually a male child, but a child sees pornography is eight years old. Mm -hmm. So eight years old parents, like that is the average age across the U S that a child sees pornography. And so having those conversations is good, but also if you don't understand, I just want to encourage you, don't be afraid to ask you can't say that every family, every parent is going to be willing to have that conversation. But if you do have curiosities, if you have somebody in your life that you know and love and trust that is a wiser, older person, allow them the opportunity to speak into what you're feeling. Allow them the opportunity to come alongside you in your struggles. If you are battling Mm -hmm. struggles with masturbation or pornography or whatever it might Mm -hmm. be, that is something I wish I would have done is asked more questions and been more aware, even as a teenager, like what is going on? Why are these girls doing these things? And instead of exploring them myself, I could have just asked in order to better understand what was happening. Just like you said, your mom did with you, Amaris. Yeah, absolutely. So as we close out, I guess I would ask you, what would your encouragement be today to a girl who feels like one, she just wants intimacy. Like she just desires intimacy and she is battling that longing and she's coming alongside the Lord and fighting it. But she is eager to fulfill that, I guess, in its fullness. Well, continue to pursue God with that, that longing, but then also don't withhold yourself from community. Like Mm -hmm. so often I think that we just think, well, I just have to spend hours in the Bible, spending hours praying. But a lot of the fulfillment that we desire within intimacy can still be met within friendships. Mm -hmm. So if you're not married, like finding a really healthy community, a local church, finding those people that you can develop intimacy, like even Paul in the New Testament, Paul never married you know, he was single because, you know, he believed that the Lord called him to just do ministry, but he loved people. Like he called Timothy, his son, he greeted people with an affectionate kiss on the cheek. Mm-hmm. You know, he allowed himself to have develop intimate relationships and friendships. And that is a good place to start. And I think our culture is so uncomfortable with that. Like if I really love my girlfriend. Well, maybe I'm gay or why do I love this guy so much? Like I just love hanging out with him. Do I like him or is there something more? 
Why even go there? You don't even need to go there. Allow yourself to genuinely just have deep and beautiful friendships because God designed us for community. And so, yes, it's this combination of taking your desires and saying, Lord, you gave this to me. So help me walk out holiness with this desire. And then taking your desires to community and saying, I need fellowship. I need intimate relationships. And I believe that as both of those two things are combined, that there is total freedom, that there is freedom found within those things because God made us for himself, but he made us for community. He said it was not good for Adam to be alone. And so if you're not married yet, don't rush into it just for sex. You will be so disappointed because marriage is very hard. And I've seen so many, and we counsel so many couples that rushed into marriage and then divorce is right around the corner. That is a pain that is way worse than waiting. Like there's nothing harder than waiting than wishing you had waited. And so allowing yourself to take those desires and say, Lord, you gave this to me, now fulfill it. And asking God for community, asking God for friendships and relationships. And I 100% believe that the Lord will provide that to you. Amen. I would ask the question, would you rather be 23 and unhappily married and have sex a few times, or would you rather be 30 and happily married for the next 70 years? It feels like a long time, but it's not. And I want to just, something was laid on my heart just now because I get this question so often. What if my boyfriend and I, or my fiance and I even know that we're going to get married We know that we're going to get married. And so we're just showing each other that we love each other. We're being intimate. But let me say to that question, is it okay for you to be intimate with your boyfriend or your fiance because you think you're getting married or you believe you're getting married or you know you're getting married? According to scripture, no, because sexuality is created for the confines of marriage. And let me say my own story I was looking at engagement rings with my boyfriend and I was sure he loved Jesus. I was sure we were getting married and the temptation was there to be intimate because he was the one and we can assure ourselves that that is our person, but has God said that that is your person? If you have not said, I do no, And we ended up breaking up because he got verbally abusive, slightly physically abusive, And he cheated on me. The last person I ever would have expected to do so, he did those things. And I was left alone. Had I given my body to him, I would have then given my whole self because he had my heart for sure. And then I would have given him the other half of me. And I would have been in even more pieces than I was at that time. And you can't get that back when you do get married. You think this person, I can't tell you how many people I thought were the one because I was so ready to be married. I'm like, you're for sure it. Like (laughs) we all do that. Yeah. Like, oh, first date. Sure. You're my husband, but they don't end up being that. And then I am now within my marriage, having given my body away, having given so many pieces of my heart away. And my now husband is having to process through those things with me and is having to work through that guilt. And I share on episode 30, my testimony about having to overcome that promiscuity with my husband and how we've worked through that. But I also share that it has not gone away. 
And so that is my encouragement to you. One, yes, it is sin. And the Bible says the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That was something that kept me away from one-on-one time in an empty house with Jesse, because I'm like, the sexuality is not more important to me than hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant at the end of my life. It's just not. And so I wouldn't be alone with Jesse, even when we were engaged. And it was so hard. And I wanted to pounce on him so many times. It's not that I didn't have that sexuality within me. I absolutely did. It was that God called me to restrain myself because he had something better in store for me. Absolutely. The girls listening, he has something in store for you, something so much greater than you can imagine. Just hold on tight, hold on to him and fight the battle that he has called you to fight because he promises more for you in the future. Yes. Amen. Amen. So Amaris, thank you so much. It was nice to chat in this context again. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you, how they can listen to you and Nick and anything exciting that you might have going on? Yeah. If you like listening to podcasts, Nick and I have a podcast called Forward Conversations where we talk about faith, discipleship, church life, relationships, lots of different things. You can find me on Instagram at forward slash Amherst Beecher. For our listeners, if you enjoyed this conversation, please do take a second to share it on Instagram. This is, as I'm saying in all of our episodes on the sex series, something very near and dear to my heart, especially because of my past specifically, and just wanting this to be more of a conversation amongst Christian women, Christian men within the church, just knowing that there is more than what the world tells you that there is in regards to sexuality. So if you enjoyed it, or if you know somebody who needs to hear it, or if you think your followers would enjoy it, please share a screenshot and tag at living easy with Lindsay and at Amaris feature. And then also, if you haven't given a rating and review, please scroll down from this episode. If you enjoyed it and give a quick star rating and review. And that's it. We will talk to you guys next Monday. I love you. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. If you are blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.